group. Give it up for our online people. You thank you for tuning in. Thank you uh, for watching. Um, people have been commenting uh, on my shoes. Um, they were a they were a wonderful gift. They're the most comfortable shoes in the world. So thank you to that person who gifted them to me. And uh, y'all can give me a hand. The shoes are beautiful. One person said, man, I don't like, how do I get a pair like that? I said, you have to upgrade your friends. <laughs> I meant it in a good way. No. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> Jenny and I were in Mexico this past week and had a great time. We have the opportunity to go with friends uh, there every other year. And, uh, and it was hot. But it was just a really good, peaceful time. The Lord was just with us and gave us good rest and, and blessed us along the way. So we're excited to be back. Uh, we had a great, great first service. I'm expecting the same thing from this service. Uh, God is in the house. God is doing something really cool uh, in and with Grace Church. So we're, we're so appreciative of that. And we want to honor God in all that we do. So uh, we're in a series. Uh, we'll finish next week lead, feed, and protect. And uh, I, I like, it's kind of my nature, whenever we uh, go somewhere, whenever we do something, um, I always look at exits. It's just kind of my nature for me and my family. I like to protect them as a covering for the church. I'm always looking out for our people. Uh, and I, I was thinking just about the, the people that we could recognize as far as protection goes. So I'm appreciative, and I hope you will with me, I'm appreciative of parents who protect their children. Can we just give it up for protecting parents? Thank you for looking out for your kids. I know we have single-parent households. We have, uh, you know, what we would call traditional households. We thank you for just looking out for your kids. We, we respect that. We thank you for that. I, I am thankful for teachers who protect their students. Thank you for the teachers that we have in this, in this congregation, in our church. Uh, uh, teaching to me is a call. Uh, thank you for teachers who have been called uh, to do that. And yet there's more challenges now with things the way they are in society. And so uh, we appreciate that. I want to thank uh, those who protect our streets, police, uh, fire, sheriffs, uh, troopers. Can we thank you for protecting our city and keeping our, our streets safe? We're, we're, we're very thankful for that. And, of course, those who protect our country, the armed forces, the military, those people, thank you for uh, protecting uh, our, our, our country. We, we appreciate that. If you're a veteran here, we honor you. Can we give it up for our veterans today? Thank you for serving and, and having served. And my friend James over here, he does uh, uh, survival. He goes out and rescues, you know. So, James, thank you. And give, the, give those who rescue people. Uh, uh, it's, he, he's told me some of his stories, and they're, like, off the charts. There should be documentaries about this guy, honestly. It's, it's amazing on what they do. Thank you, uh, those who protect. Thank you for those who work in those, those fields. Uh, today's message will be on protecting, but it, it'll be a little different slant. I, I believe we need to protect our uh, perspective. Sometimes our perspective gets off. We look at things differently. Perspective is a point of view, or perception would be a way of understanding. And so we look at how we see things, and sometimes if we listen to too much chatter, if we listen to maybe the news feed or the news reel, if we listen to maybe what politicians say or, or different ones, friends or family, well-meaning people, but it can change our perspective if we're not careful. I, I want to speak to you today on how you can protect your perspective. It's important uh, because if our perspective gets off, Janie and I have a, a friend who's a pilot back in the Midwest, and he was telling us one day at a small private plane, and he took us to one of his son's football game and it was really cool and he was saying on the way back if you if your 
if your, you know, if your gauge was off one-tenth of one degree and you were flying to Florida, you might end up in, in South Texas. And that's perspective is the same way. If we're off just a little bit, if we listen to just the wrong person or, we, or we, our perception is just the wrong way, then we can start to veer off a little bit. And once you start to veer off, God can always bring you back on course, but it's, it's a little bit more difficult. When, I, when we were younger, when we were young married and our kids were younger, uh, the circus would come to town and it would always come in on a train and Janie would take the kids down because after the, uh, all the animals got off the train, they would parade them through the streets of downtown Omaha. It was a beautiful sight, very, very cool, Ringley Brothers and Barman Bailey. And, and uh, I know the circus has a little bit become a, a thing of the past, but I'd read a story about the circus elephants, you know, massive elephants, uh, massive animals, uh, maybe two tons, 4,000 pounds. And when they're little, when they're young, they uh, put a, a, leash around their, uh, a leash around their neck and they put a little stake in the ground and the small elephant can only walk in circles around the, the stake. And they, they get to that point where it becomes a habit to where when the elephant becomes a, a big, a two-ton uh, animal, they put that same stake in the ground and the elephant won't go any further than its boundary. And that's becomes its perspective. This is all that I know. This is all that I can be. And I would, I'm here to tell you today that, church, you need to change your perspective, that Christ has made you free. And whom Jesus says free, they are free indeed, right? So you don't need to worry about your past anymore, how you've been bound by that. You need to just look at your future. And God's got a big plan for your life. He's a good, good father. He's a, he's a good father. And Jesus came to set you free. And so I think sometimes in our perspective, we say to ourselves, it won't get any better than this. I can't become anything more than what I am now. I don't have anything in my life. I'm never going to be anything in my life. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. That, that is just a lie, and it causes anxiety, and it causes fear, it causes or it causes criticism and cynicism and sarcasm because we look at what somebody else has, and we think, well, how come they have it? They must have cheated. Or No, I think sometimes we just need to let go of the past and start believing God for a good future. When we believe God, it starts to put things back in a good perspective. And so you have to protect that perspective. If you listen to chatter, if you listen to even sometimes your heart or your head, and your head doesn't make sense, you have to turn things around and say, I've got to keep things in perspective. Let's go to Psalms for a second, 125, just two verses. <clears throat> Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which is a place called Best, by the way, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you help us keep things in perspective. Help us to understand, Lord, the things of life are from you. Lord, and as they come from you, we thank you for that. We believe you for that. We honor you, Lord, for that. So today... Lord, as we, maybe some of us are hold things a little out of perspective. Maybe there's fear in our life. Maybe we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Help us to bring things back into perspective and then protect that, Lord, so that we know we can count wholly on you. Faith, trust, hope, belief, and confidence. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Um, reminded of the story in the book of Numbers that tells us about some spies that went out. Maybe you're familiar with the story, maybe you're not. Uh, uh, Israel was in the in Egypt. So Joseph became second command. He was the 11th son of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. All right, that's how we get the nation of Israel. This was part of God's promise to Abraham. And because it was a promise, then uh, Jacob wrestled with God, changed his name, Israel. They have 12 sons. Uh, the 11th son is Joseph. He has a dream. His brothers are going to bow down. Long story short, it was preservation. He was preserving the nation. They went into Egypt. 70 people, they came out oh, somewhere between 600,000 and a million, okay? And so when they came out, they, they, there, there was a, um, a 
one-year waiting period. So uh, what happens is that they were wandering, and they were supposed to wander for a year. When we get saved, when we become a Christ follower, there's some junk on us that God wants us to get rid of. And so sometimes it's not like we want to hop into ministry or hop into, into things. It's not bad, but at the same time, we should be getting into a discipleship class, a foundation class, a small group, a Bible study, a women's ministry. We should get in things that will help us grow in the Lord. This is what the wandering in the wilderness was set out to do, was for the people in, in, that came out of Egypt, the Israelites, to get rid of Egypt. You need to get rid of the Egypt in your life. And forever they wanted to keep going back to Egypt, even though they were bound by slavery, they were bound by sin, they had all these things around them. And then when we're bound, this is again why Jesus set us free. And so there's a perspective in our life that we can learn. I want to give you five uh, different types of things that would involve perspective today so that if you're, you're coming out, now they ended up wandering for 40 years, but it wasn't by design. Just the first year was by design. So we'll use the story of the spies that go out to bring into our idea of how to keep and protect your perspective. The first one is risk. Sometimes perspective takes a risk. I mean, you know, you've heard the, the, the verbiage before, no risk, no reward. It's very, very true, all right? There's a risk involved in protecting our perspective. Let's see what, what the Bible says in Numbers 13, chapter, verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one chief among them. So, in other words, he's saying, hey, go get me some guys. Give me some Give me some brutes. Give me some guys who are, are knowledgeable. They're, they're warriors. They're, 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 they have integrity. They're, they're men that will understand uh, what it's like. Now, he says this, which I am giving you. Some translations uh, will say this, that I've already given you because it was a, it's a promise. It was a promise in Exodus. Uh, God said in Exodus 3, 7, and 8, I'm going to come down. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to raise you out. I'm going to bless you with the land of milk and honey. So now they're there. They're at this land, which I am giving you. Turn to somebody and say, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. There's a blessing there that God has for you. It's yours. Now, there's risk involved because everything that happens in God happens to challenge our thinking here on earth, all right? When we think normally or naturally here, some things just can't be done. So God is asking Moses to get 12 guys, one from each of the 12 tribes of all of Israel, and send those guys out, and they were going to go out for, for 40 days. There's a risk involved in everything that we do for, for God. I mean, it, it, it just it's a natural thing, but if we, if we understand that there's a risk, it keeps things in perspective. In other words, God wants you to pray. He wants you to read. He wants you to study. He wants you to worship. He wants you to praise. And he wants you to do it because he wants to grow you in him. There's a risk there. And, and, and every time that there's a risk involved, we need to take it to the Lord in prayer. We need to hear from God. Moses heard from God. He What did he hear? He heard a promise. I'm giving you this land. He heard an instruction. Send 10 men out to spy this land that I'm already giving you. And then he heard the promise. The promise was that this is mine. This is ours for the taking. So we have 3,000 promises in the scriptures that are all yes and amen. 3,000 promises are all for us. So if someone grabs a hold of a promise, Lord, you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. That's a promise. Lord, you said that you would handle all my, take care of all my needs according to your riches in glory. That's a promise. Lord, you said that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's a promise. We take God's promises, we keep them in perspective, but there's risk involved. You might be made fun of. Someone might not understand you. Someone might not get you. Someone might think that you're trying to be uh, too holy or too righteous. And, you, and God is just laying this on your heart saying, hey, would son, would you do this for me? I've spoken a while back about Abraham. Abraham was called to go, but his father, Haran, was actually called to go before him. He stopped in a land, okay? He stopped in the land of Haran. And so then now Abraham's called. So sometimes we're called to go, we don't understand the risk involved, called to start a ministry, called to start a business, called to go to school, called to start a family, whatever, and we're afraid of the risk. 
We're afraid of those things. Now, Janie and I are risk takers. I'll tell you that. We, we, don't, we have taken more risks in our life than I can probably count. But every risk we've taken, at least to the best of my knowledge, knowledge, is we've tried to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? There's a difference there. You can take a risk and not be led of the Holy Spirit at all. And then it's just a risk. And, in fact, it borders a little bit of maybe uh, danger. All right, But if you take a risk and you step out in faith and you ask God, now, my friend Brian Polk, where is he? He's in here somewhere. Where is he? There he is. Brian's not a risk taker. He'll say. He'll say he's not a risk taker. He'll laugh at me some, for some of the risks that, that we take. But, you know, 22 years ago, he moved up here from, from Charlotte. He took a risk. He moved his family. Can you give it up for Brian for a second? Because I appreciate Brian Polk. I appreciate his family. Aaron plays the drums for us, does, works on our media team. Listen, there, he took a risk. Now, maybe he doesn't take a risk as often as I do. Most people don't. I told Janie the other day, you know, Moses moved 30 times. 30 times. 30 times in 40 years he moved. We've been married 43 times. We've been married 43 times. Don't follow our pattern. To the same person. So every year we get remarried. <laughs> we've been married 43 years. I think we've moved more than 30 times, actually. So be like Moses. Get up and move. Uh, sidebar. That... Listen, my point is this. Moses took risk for God. If you'll take risk, it may not, you may be like Brian. You might live in your house, buy your house, own your house, and, and be content in your house. But you need to know that you can take risk in life. And my friend Brian takes a lot of risk. It's different than uh, those things. Listen, when we understand that keeping things in perspective involves risk means that I don't always have to hear the chatter of what other people say. I don't always have to do what the news feed or the news media or TikTok or Instagram or whatever those people are doing. I got my eyes set on the Lord. Satan's under my feet. I'm a winner in the kingdom of God, and glory be to the name of Jesus. Amen? He's in charge. These 12 spies took a risk. They were gone for 40 days. They risked their home, their family, their lives to go see what God was getting ready to give them. Number two, then, there's a cost involved. And the, and the cost is out of Numbers, the 13th chapter, as well. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. Jesus said regarding costs that before you do anything, even a smart man, a businessman, will count the costs before they do it. Hey, what's, gonna, what's it going to cost me? So there's a matter of wisdom in our costs, all right? There's risk involved, but there's also cost. Now, God may tell you to uh, relocate. God may tell you to start a ministry. God may start you to start an or orphanage. God may tell you to support an orphanage. God may tell you to start a prayer meeting. God may tell you to, to, start, to, to start a small group. God may tell you many things. There's going to be cost involved. I, would, I can only imagine what it, would, what it takes to, to run an orphanage in Nicaragua. I can only imagine what it costs. We, we feed an orphanage in Haiti. I know what that costs each month. I can imagine what it costs to, spend, to, to feed that many more kids. I can imagine what it costs to, to uh, have a women's ministry where 100 or 120 ladies come out and, and the planning and the nurturing. I can only imagine the cost of running or owning a business for somebody. There's cost involved and perspective costs us because not everybody understands how you can keep things in perspective. You've heard the, the, the line, perception is reality. That's true. This is why when we look at something, the in, especially in sales, uh, you try to raise doubt a little bit. This is what Satan did. Did God really say, he said to Eve, did God really say that, that you shouldn't eat from the tree of life, that, that you wouldn't be? He's afraid you'll be like him. Doubt right away. Perception becomes reality, but when we keep our perspective 
channeled on God through his word, there's a cost. Maybe God wants you to get up early in the morning and start a prayer time. Maybe God wants you to worship on your way to work. Maybe God wants you to pray or read the word. And I would, I would challenge you this. If you're new to Christ, just read a proverb of the day. Tomorrow's the, the 18th of September. Read the 18th proverb. Grab and go. Understand that and read it again the next day, the 19th. Read it again the next day, the 20th. Read one chapter a day. Solomon was the wisest man in the world at the time. Now, I believe Jesus was wiser. He's full of the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. But God gave Solomon a promise that you would be wise. Along with wisdom, he would get the riches and everything else that people ask for. Solomon wrote this, that with through humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And so what, what do you need to work on? We need to work on humility and fear of the Lord. What's God's plan? Riches, honor, life. And so we work on our part. God works on his part. There's a cost involved. It costs Jesus everything to come to this earth. He was in heaven, right? He was, sitting, he, was, he, was, he was part of the Trinity, and yet God asked him to come down here, sacrifice his earthly mortal life, full of pain, anguish, and die for us so what? That he can open heaven's gates so we have an entryway back into, into glory. This is a beautiful scenario, but it costs him. Jesus asked us then to pay a price. He said to die out daily, to pick up our cross, and to follow him. That's a trifle message. Now listen, this is something sometimes church, uh, the church world doesn't want to do. It's like we, we said the prayer, we receive Christ, we invite him into our heart, now everything is good until we get to the other side. No, there's a cost. When I get up tomorrow, two things I want to work on. I want to work on humility, I want to work on fear of the Lord. Fear is just an awesome respect. That just I hold God as, as highest regard, highest esteem. But I also want to work on what's going to cost me tomorrow. What, what's it going to, what, what do I need to work on? What do I need to lay down? Do I need to lay down my selfish ambition? Do I need to lay down, lay down my selfish ways? Do I need to lay down my my pride? Do I need to lay down my, my thoughts and my ideas? And do I need to pick up my cross and say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm following you. And by the way, a true spiritual cross is not one of pain. Jesus says for the cross, it was the joy that set before him that he picked up his cross and did it for us. So my cross that I'm bearing, maybe it's to be an example to my family. Maybe it's to bless my wife. Maybe it's to honor Grace Church. Maybe it's to be a, a, a pillar in the community. Whatever that cross is, it needs to be a joy, not because of what I'm bearing, but because of who's getting glorified in it. When God gets glorified, your cross is worth bearing. But there's a cost there, right? These spies went out. And there was a cost. Now they're, they've taken a risk. They, they've answered God. Now there's a cost. They went out for 40 days. There, there's work there to be done. There's, a, there's effort. It's, it's an amazing story when you look at what these, what these Israelite spies were asked to do. They were asked to go see something that they were already going to be given, promised years before that, when, when Moses saw uh, God at the, at the burning bush, okay? And so then they, we see risk, we see cost, and then the next one is proper. We need to keep things in proper perspective. It's, 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 it's the thing in our life that, again, if we listen to too much of one side or the other, if, we, if, we're, if we're concerned about what everybody's saying and everybody's chatter. Let's go to Numbers 13, 27, and 28. And they told him, these are the spies returning to Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. There is fruit there. And then number 28, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified. They're very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak was a giant in the land, okay? So these guys were enormous. They were big. They were mean. They were ugly. And so we have to keep things in perspective. So when we see what God has to say, sometimes we look at things and our perspectives change. Our perceptions change. Well, I got laid off my job. Like, how's things going to work out? I don't, my, my spouse left me. I'm going to... I'm in trouble. The, the kids are in disarray. I don't know what's going to happen. All these things start to run through our mind. Do you know that all 12 spies saw the same thing? Think about that. The two of them decided, we see a land flowing with milk and honey. We see grapes the size of a watermelon. 
We see it take two men, scripturally took two men to carry one bunch of grapes. That's a big grape. They hauled them back so that they could show them. We see milk and honey and grapes. We see trees and beauty. We see all that. The other ten spies saw giants. They saw things they couldn't do. It's all perspective. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to what God says about you? Or are you listening to what others say about you? Are you listening that you can do it? Or are you listening that you can't do it? It's all perspective in the things that we walk through. And there's one word there that we look at, and it's the word however. However. See, and we got to be careful of that word however. It's like, all right, I, I know God can do it. However, he's not doing it. Gideon says the same thing. Gideon judges the sixth chapter. He sees a he see, or the twelfth chapter. He sees a, 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 a an angel, and, and the angel says, "Hey, man of valor, how you doing?" And Gideon looks around like, "Who are you talking to? I'm a coward down here in the wine press. I'm chopping the wheat." And he says, "No, you're a mighty man of valor." And Gideon says, "Well, if I am, like, like how come we're going through all these problems? Why are the Midians, uh, Midianites picking on us? And why I'm the least in my family? My family's the least of in all Israel. What's what's going on? I don't understand." that. You, you got to give me a break. And the angel of the Lord's army tells him, you get up. You stand up. You stand strong. See, it gets him back in perspective. Our perspective changes when we look at our circumstances. Our perspective changes when we look at glory, when we look at God's word. And so if we're looking at our circumstances, our perspective is going to change. If we're looking at God's word, our perspective will change. We need to change our trajectory of our perspective by going to God's word and listening to what he has to say about us. He calls you a victor. He calls you a joint heir. He calls you an overcomer. He calls you successful. He calls you peace. He calls you love. He calls you grace-filled and mercy. He calls you life and, and everlasting. He calls you a child of the living God. Think about that, church. He says you are a son of God. You've been given the authority. You've been given the power. You, you can use Jesus' name. It's all perspective. Marcus, by the way, preached a wonderful word last week. Mark, give it up for Marcus. Thank you for the message that you preached. Very good. Very good. I mean, Philip and Andrew, their perspective wasn't proper. Hey, we got this guy, uh, you know, feeding the 5,000. Jesus says, as a test to Philip, what do we have? He might be testing you. Like, what, what do I have? You have God Almighty on your side. You have the king of the universe loves you. He works for you and with you. Do you know this world is less real than the spiritual world? I mean, the spiritual world spoke this world into existence. Therefore, this world is subject to the spiritual world. Keep your perspective on God. Keep your perspective on Jesus. And so Philip and Andrew, you know the story. Marcus talked about it. They come with two fish and five loaves. Their perspective right? Their perspective was, this isn't enough. But yet God says in, in Psalms that he owns cattle on a thousand hills. It's like, okay, God, this is all I have, but I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to, and you're going to do whatever you can with it. I've got, you know, I've got education or I've got wisdom or I've got a heart or I've got a, an idea. I've got a desire. God, I'm going to give it to you. Now watch what you do with it. Maybe you've heard the story of Dallas Theological Seminary. In 1934 and 1937, they were getting ready to, to close their doors. They, it's one of the most successful theological seminaries in all the world, by the way. They were getting ready to close their doors because they didn't have the finances. And so the dean of the university with his board, he called a, a prayer meeting at 12 o'clock on a Wednesday. He said, we've got to pray. We've got to figure out what God's going to do with this. How, we've gotta, we have to understand. And so one, one wise board member, uh, they were, they're, of course, it's in Dallas. One wise board member said, hey, uh, Dean, if, if God's got to sell the cattle on a thousand hills so we can keep this thing open, we're just going to believe God's going to sell cattle on a thousand hills to keep this thing open. So they started praying. The dean said to his secretary, I don't want to be bothered for the next hour. I, I can't be bothered. Me and the board, we're going to pray, and God's going to give us some kind of idea. Do we shut the doors? Do we keep them open? Do we have to find? There was a big, huge debt that they had that they couldn't pay, and the, the place was going to close. So they're in Dallas, and uh, during that noon hour prayer meeting, a, a big old Texan boy walked in with a, with a cowboy hat on and cowboy boots and a southern drawl. And he knocked on the door, and the secretary let him in and says, can I help you? Yeah, I need to see the dean for a moment. And, he, and she said, sir, they're in, they're in a prayer meeting. Uh, we can't, I, I can't bother him. Dean says, don't bother me. We're praying for the next hour. I said, okay, well, um, 
He said, I don't know, I, I don't know how to sell it, but God told me to, God told me to, to sell some cows. And her eyes perked up and said, can I, can, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I have some cattle on the back, on the back 40, and uh, God told me to sell them, and I, I got a check here for you. She looked at the check, and it was exactly the amount that they needed that they were praying about. She went in, yeah, give it up for the Lord. She, she, went, and got, she went and got the, the dean, and he came out. He looked at the check, and he, he had church. Yeah, listen, your father owns cattle on a thousand hills. Your father created the universe you walk in. Your father gives you the air that you breathe every day. Your father sent his son to die on a cross for you. You don't think your father loves you? You don't think your father cares what you might be going through? You don't, you're, you don't think your father thinks that you were worthy enough to die for, for to send his son for? You are, you are the apple of God's eye. God loves you. He cares for you. You got to keep things in proper perspective. You got to keep things in the, in that realm where you understand uh, what's going on. So uh, when we understand the risk and the cost, it helps us keep things proper. It helps us keep things in line with God's word. You don't have to make everybody happy. In fact, you won't if you keep a proper perspective. If you if you take a, a deep breath, I said it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, leadership. Uh, when we talked about the leading part of the series, leadership that isn't uh, mature, they react. And when you react, you start to panic. When you start to panic, you, don't, you start to work on your own things. A leadership that's mature will respond. And now that response will lead to actions, but that keeps everything in proper perspective. Am I reacting to uh, bad news every time from the doctor or from the attorney, from, from, a, from a relationship? Am I reacting? Am I overreacting? There's trigger points. The enemy knows what trigger points you have. The enemy always knows how to push your buttons or use somebody to push your buttons. And all of a sudden, we, what do we do? React, all right? What God wants us to do is to respond. By responding, we keep things in proper perspective. Hey, this too shall pass. Be still and know that I am God. Walk in God's perfect peace. Jehovah Shalom over me. I'm not going to overcorrect. I'm not going to overreact. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to soak it in, and I'm going to walk this thing out. That's proper perspective. That's keeping things in the way that God would have for you. The next thing then is a waiting perspective. We, we don't like to wait. How many here is like, man, I love to wait. I love the eight-minute red lights in Hickory, North Carolina. Oh, I just love sitting there. I was behind a car yesterday, and I think the person was actually waiting for the light to turn yellow. Like it was green. It was green, and they waited for yellow. And then they got it. They got the yellow light, and then it turned red. And I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. Come on. So when the light turned green, we kind of went up around him, and Janie said, they're not even old. <laughs> those, those are young people. <laughs> so, well, the young people going nowhere, honey, because they, they didn't care if they caught. And once you catch a red light in Hickory on certain streets, you catch every red light. It's brutal. If you don't like to wait, if you like to wait, I mean, you can check your texts, you can check emails, you can check your Instagram, you can check everything because some of these lights are so long. Have I told you about the long red lights in Hickory? Sometimes waiting on God seems like a red light in Hickory. Like, come on, God. Like, I love you. I did the risk. I did the cost. I'm keeping things in proper perspective. But, man, I am wait. I am tired of waiting. I wa I've been waiting too long, Lord. How many felt like God, like you're waiting on God? It's like, come on, God. Yeah, you all, you all, all five of you, God bless you. Yeah. The rest of you need to come to the altar afterwards. Let's read out of James for a second. Just as Jesus' brother, James says this, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, God is saying, James through James, you need to wait because by waiting, you keep things in proper perspective. And by keeping things in proper, proper perspective, I can then bless you. I can use you. There's a lot of tests I don't want to go through again, but I'm glad for the testimony. 
It matures you. It blesses you. I think most things people go through, Janie and I have gone through in our 43 times of marriage. <laughs> We've gone through most everything. Um, I, literally, all right? And so, but, but because God's brought us through, we can keep things in perspective when we deal with people and say, now, wait a second, it's going to be all right. And sometimes you just need a hug from Jesus, and Jesus it's going to be all right. Isaiah says this, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they will not faint. Why? Because they've waited on God. So we keep things in perspective. We, we know the risk factor. We know the cost factor. We, we're trying to keep it in perspective. But now I'm going to be waiting. I'm just going to wait for you, God. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to move too fast, but I'm not going to move too slow. If i got to go around that young old person, I'm going to do that. But I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you, God. And this is important because waiting on God presents us with 100% faith and 100% trust. Hear me on this. You can't have 100% faith without having 100% trust. I can have faith if my bank account is full, I got a job, everything's working out, the kids are doing good, everybody's healthy, and I just came back from Cabo. Man, I got faith. Yeah. Woo! But if not everything's working out great and I got to have faith, then I also have to have trust. Because if I don't have trust, then I really don't have faith. Because my faith says my trust knows what God's doing better than what I'm doing. I'm the youngest of eight. And in our home, we always had mom and dad. We always had a grandparent living with us. And being the youngest of eight, I never, ever, ever did I get to the dinner table and thinking, oh, God, we got a lot of people in this house. I wonder if there's going to be enough for me. That, that would have scared the daylight out of me because I like to eat. How many like to eat? All right, again, half of you are lying. <laughs> or, or on some kind of extreme fast or diet, so God bless you. I like to eat. And I'm thinking, I never thought, I wonder if mom and dad are going to be able to put food on the table. I never thought that. I always, and my mom was an amazing cook, amazing cook. Second to my wife. My, my, I hate mom, sorry. I love, I love my wife's cooking, it's amazing. But hear me, hear me on this. Hear me on this. I trusted as a young child they were going to put food on the table. Why in the world do we not trust God like a little child? When Jesus said, suffer the little children to come and be, for such is the kingdom of God, he's talking about a childlike faith. He's talking about a, a child who does, he knows, and again, understand, understand some households, a child maybe doesn't know where their food's going to come from. I get that. I understand that. I get it. I'm talking about the Dolphins household growing up. We knew there was going to be food on that table every night. But have you ever, like, when you first got married, and maybe you went grocery shopping for the first time, or you moved away from home and you bought groceries for the first time, you really, I like, I thanked my mom and dad. Wow. Groceries are expensive. This is 1980. This isn't 2023 where groceries are really expensive. But God has a table for you, and if you'll just wait on him, he's got blessings of overflow. Psalm 69 and 18 says, I don't want to forget your bountiful blessings. You load me up daily with benefits. Daily he loads you up. I just have to wait for him. And when I wait for him, even though there's a trying of my patience or a trying, a testing of my faith, I know that every single time God's going to come through. That's what God does. He, he, he loves to show himself faithful so that he can get the glory. Can we take five seconds and give God glory for just a moment? Come on, church. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be adored. He's faithful, God. He's a faithful God that we trust. And so we wait. Listen, Joshua and Caleb, hear the story. Year one, they were appointed to be in the wilderness. That was by God. That was ordained by God to get rid of Egypt. So year one, they had to wander. God wants you to get rid of your Egypt so that you can have a clean slate with him. You're not getting rid of Egypt to be saved. You're already saved. He just knows there's junk in the trunk that you got to get rid of. Maybe that didn't come out right. 
Sorry about that. I'm in the trunk of a car. Baggage. Baggage. Baggage would have been better. Let's see if we can edit that. <laughs> There's baggage you got that God wants to get rid of. See, when I, well, never mind. Y'all got, your minds are out there. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But years two through 40 weren't by design. Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years to get to know, understand what God had for them. We can't wait eight minutes at a, shop, at a stoplight. God may have you wait for some time for your family members to come in, for, for, for that, that desire that you have in your heart, but you've got to keep waiting on God. If you'll just wait and wait and wait, it'll have, we never read in Scripture about Joshua and Caleb complaining. We never wait. We never read about them in Scriptures about them uh, pointing a finger at Moses. We never read in Scriptures about how things aren't working out for them. We just know that they went to the task and they start doing what they were supposed to do. That was, that's part of waiting on the Lord. And then the last but not least is, is it produces. A proper perspective produces fruit for you. Let's go to Psalms 27, 13, and 40. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I love that scripture. Wait. Everybody say wait. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait. Say wait one more time. Wait for the Lord. I think there's an encouragement there from David. He's saying if you wait for the Lord, there's going to be fruit. Caleb and Joshua, the 14th chapter, at 85 years old, 80 and 5 years old, looked at the mountain, Mount Hebron, and said, Hey, Joshua, God gave me that mountain 40 years ago. I want to take it. I'm 80 and 5 years old, and that's my mountain, Joshua. And Joshua said, hey, if God told you to take it, go ahead and take it. So Caleb came with a small army, and he killed the Amazites and the Perizzites and the Amorites and the Canaanites. He took that mountain, and years later, that's the mountain where David gets anointed on. The God has, God has you waiting for fruit that somebody else might discover. Don't be selfish. Don't be stingy. Know that what you're doing now might benefit somebody else down the road. Stand with me today. See, there's fruit. And the fruit was the size of grapes were the size of watermelons, you know, cantaloupe, all that good stuff, olives, olive trees, mangoes, whatever the fruit is. It's huge. It's enormous. And there's blessings of it. The, the whole concept of protecting your perspective is this. Who do I want to believe? What others are saying around me or what God says about me? What other God, what are, what others people are doing to me or what God has done for me? It's all perspective. God holds you in his hand. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He will not ever leave you or forsake you. He loves you. You are a son and a daughter of his. You are the joy of his life, the apple of his eye. Close your eyes and raise your hands if you would. I want, to, I want you to think about this for a moment before we sing our last song while you're praying. Is, is this. Lord, if I have anything in my life out of perspective, if there's anything in my life that causes me to be anxious, if it's sorrowful, if there's anything in my life that causes me to be fearful or doubting, if there's anything in my life that I haven't turned over to you during this next song, Lord, would you, Lord, would you reveal that to me so I can keep things in proper perspective, godly perspective, perspective according to your word, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the anointing that you place on each one of us. Lord, even as a church, can we keep things in perspective, Father? Lord, that we would do what we do for the glory of you, Father Lord, that we can bring, we can bring people into relationship with you and glorify God along the way. Father, pray for people here in this, in this service, Lord, that you would anoint them, Lord, with a proper perspective to be able to follow you and not others, Lord, not look to the right nor to the left, but to follow you and walk according to your word and your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. God bless you.
Amen. God's got this. Amen. He's got it. Whatever you're going through, let's just give it to him. How many of you appreciated that message today? Wasn't that powerful? Welcome home. Glad to have you back, Papa. And, um, you know, as we think about that message, we think about, for some of you, God is just saying, wait. That was one of your points, right? Like, wait. The other one is like, go, move, step out in faith. So, like, what is it? Am I waiting? Am I going? And, and I don't know. Trust me, I don't. But God does. So that's why you just tune into him and say, God, I just want you to just lead my steps, guide them, walk in that peace, but trust in him either way. If it's to stay or if it's to go, if it's to act and do something you've never done before, just wait on the Lord. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Amen. All right, let's just close in a word of prayer and just ask God to continue to speak to us even as we leave. Father, I thank you for every person that you have gathered here today, every part of the body of Christ that has assembled itself together in this room at this moment. Lord, I pray that we are so much better together because we are united in Christ. Lord, that we can build each other up this week, even today, even in the lobby. Lord, that we can encourage one another. Lord, that we can spur one another to good works and to good deeds, Lord. I pray that you would help each one of us to hear and discern the voice of God, whether it is to go or stay. Lord, but either way, whatever it is in, in the situations, God, that we would prosper, God, that we would obey you, and we would trust in you, Lord, with our whole heart, that we would hold one piece back, God, that we would go forward and we would say, yes, Lord, I trust in you, and I know that you've got it. Lord God, you've got this, and we're going to just know that you're going before us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you this week, tomorrow night or Thursday night. Make sure to sign up for Girlfriends. Have a great week.